Welcome to The Power Show, the number one podcast that provides people from all walks of life the platform to share their story. Now, today we are joined with the wonderful Jerry Cortez, who journey started the second that she packed up her apartment in Sydney, quit her job, broke up with her boyfriend of 12 years, and booked a one-way ticket to Thailand. And from there, she went on a roller coaster of a journey, which she shares with us on this episode, and got introduced to the digital nomad lifestyle of entrepreneurship. From apprentice to CEO in less than a year, Jerry talks about the life, stress, and battles of being a CEO and how change can be a good thing. Now guys, quick reminder, if you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review so we can reach more and more people and give them permission to share their story. Now without further ado, let's bring on Jerry Cortez. (laughs) Um, I, I I guess the most interesting part of my story starts when I left Sydney. Um, I Why? basically, um, yeah, <laughs> Why this, do that? This, is, this is where the story start, starts. <laughs> um, yeah, Sydney's a great place. I love it. It's home and it's got everything. It's an amazing place. And, you know, I was in uni and I was trying to climb up the corporate ladder and I was doing, um, public relations and communications and I was working like for a, a firm and doing that whole thing, doing the whole rat race thing was with a boyfriend for 12 years um, from high school sweethearts to like, you know, my mid to mid to late twenties. Um, and I don't know, I just, I wasn't enjoying life. Like I just, everything just didn't seem right. Nothing was sitting right with me. I didn't like where I, my job, I had bounced around so many careers before that trying to find my purpose. And I was just kind of choosing anything just so that I had something to do. Um, and yeah, it was just, it all just crashed in, like crashed down, like after my relationship ended with that boyfriend and I was just like, what am I doing? So, um, a friend of mine just got back to Thailand and she had hard rock abs (laughs) and she did like a Muay Thai uh, fitness camp in Phuket, Thailand. And I was like, that is what I need to do. I need to go to this like fitness camp and just like feel good about myself. So I booked a flight, like literally after like a week after ba- breaking up with my boyfriend, I packed up my apartment in Sydney because I was like, I'm going for a while. I'm not coming back for mm. a good four to six months. So I quit my job. I decided to put uni on hold and I was just like, I'm going. And um, I'd never been traveling on my own before. So it was super scary. And I was like, okay, let's go to Thailand. And I went to Thailand, not knowing anybody. And then I got there and it looked so gross. Like when you arrive to Phuket, like airport, you don't see the nice beachy, beautiful palm trees. Like when coming in, it's just like really third world and scary. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Um, And so I was kind of freaking out. And then I was freaking out when I got to my hotel room because it wasn't the nicest of places. It didn't look how it looked in the brochure. So I was like already ringing my cousin like, what have I done? I need to come home. I made the biggest mistake in my life. Like just chill, like breathe, go to your fitness camp tomorrow and meet people and you'll be fine. And I did, I met people um, the next day and then I started easing into things. Um, And yeah, life kind of changed since I hit Thailand. Like I just met so many different people, like completely different to the people that I was kind of hanging around back home. Everybody was like, 
on this journey of self-discovery and I was like oh wow like there were musicians and you know um, martial arts experts and surfers and all sorts of walks of life and I was just like and everybody was kind of doing what I was doing just trying to figure out where they wanted to be in the world and so that really kind of resonated with me and I just loved the people that I met and I just I didn't want to go home and I didn't I, I kind of stayed in Thailand my trip was only meant to be four months. I stayed for a year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, I started doing some uni, like I did uni from Thailand for a little bit, but then I decided like, you well, know. Online? Or yeah, it, it, online. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But then I decided it just wasn't for me anymore. But then I started meeting people who were calling themselves digital nomads. <laughs> I was like, what? What's this? Um, and then I read Timothy, Timothy Ferris, the four-hour work week, Classic. and I was sold. I was like, oh, this is, this is the alternative life that people are talking about. And I was just like, yeah, I did not want to go back to the nine-to-five ever again. Like once I read that and once I started learning about this whole digital nomad lifestyle, I was like, this is me. This is what i got to do. And so I started getting into whole into digital marketing and I was like, okay, well, I need to sustain my life out here in Thailand because like my, my savings was running on dry after about a year. And um, I was like, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go back to the nine to five. I don't want to have to go and work. So I was like, I need to make money. And I was trying to do it while I was in Thailand and living in Thailand is so cheap. Like I think my rent was like 400 Aussie dollars a month. For what? Was, what was you getting for that? Like a two-bedroom house. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> um, where I was paying $600 a week for a two-bedroom small apartment in Sydney. Yeah. So, it was like, crazy the amount of money that I was saving. Um, and so, yeah, I just started. I first got into digital marketing and I first found out about dropshipping. That was the first, that was the first entry level into digital marketing kind of dabbled around with that but didn't really find my thing um and kind of got into e-commerce products and um i started a kickstarter um campaign uh okay. crowdfunding campaign um in wooden sunglasses i think like it was the craze for a little while i've got wooden um, sunglasses yeah it was yeah. like really cool back then but then everybody got into it and it was like a huge saturated market um, but I got, I was like one of the people that got there kind of first. So it was like still cool when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, like that Kickstarter campaign, it went well and everything. And like, I learned a lot just doing that Kickstarter campaign. Like I had to learn how to set up my, like, you know, set up my whole campaign and make sure I had the like prep plan and execution correct and making sure that I could get all of my product out to the backers who supported me and, getting traffic to my Kickstarter campaign. Like I hadn't, I had no idea about even how to set up a website, let alone what traffic was and how yeah. to get people to look at my thing and, you know, how to get people to engage with my story. But I managed to learn on the run and pull it off fairly well enough. Like I, I think I managed to get 300% over my crowdfunding goal. So it was pretty cool. That's um, very cool. But, um, but yeah, like I said, the whole, um, the whole wooden sunglasses thing, like products is a really hard sell 
Um, and to be able to get products going, you have to invest in a lot of money. And that's one thing I didn't have. That's why I did the crowdfunding thing. And even with the crowdfunding money that I got, it wasn't enough to sustain the business. I kept needing to invest more money. Then I had investors come in and like chatted to me about it, but it was such a high risk for me and I didn't want to have to promise investors things that I wasn't sure about. So I ended up selling off that business. Luckily, I was managed to find a buyer that was really interested in it. It's such an early infancy stage. Yeah. Um, so I sold it off and then I was like, okay, so I now need to get a digital skill. Like I need to get a proper skill because I was kind of learning on my own for a while. And I was just like, you know, Googling and YouTubing and, you know, listening to podcasts and trying to get info that way, like free information. And it was cool, you know, like I got so far, but I knew I needed to take the next step. So I got into um, copywriting because writing something that I'm kind of naturally good at, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I started writing for SEOs, um, search engine optimization people. They found me and they were like, hey, can you write content for my blog site? Can you write content for this? And then I ended up getting an apprenticeship at a um, digital marketing agency to learn search, search engine optimization. Um, and was then this I did that. Well? For, no, this was in Chiang Mai, actually. So okay. I moved to, I was, I was in Phuket, this Chiang Mai in Thailand. Yeah. I moved to Phuket and I got offered a position in Chiang Mai, like further up north. So still in Thailand. Like, okay. Is yeah, that, still in Thailand. Okay. Cool. Yeah, luckily enough. So I moved up there and I kind of did that apprenticeship for a year. It was tough. Um, the company that I worked for had a certain way about doing things and it was grueling learning, but it was really good learning. Like, I mm -hmm. mean, I got, I got pretty good at what I did. So that was pretty cool. Um, but then basically at the end of the apprenticeship, I was like, now I'm on my own now. I want to go and I want to go and get clients. So I wanted to start my own freelance SEO business. And then luckily I got a referral really quickly on Facebook. And then it just kind of, the momentum went from there. I got that client and then he referred me to a client and then they referred me and it was just like kind of just snowballed in. And then I went from a one man band to having a team of nine people in about six months. Check you out. Yeah. It like, it just went I, I don't, I don't know how it just went like crazy, but it went too fast. Like that was kind of the, that's what happened. I realized everything kind of went in, came in like pouring, like it came pouring in and I still didn't really know what I was doing in business. Like I had learnt skills. Like I learnt, you know, how to do SEO and I learned how to do a bit of social media, but I didn't at that point, I thought I knew business, but I didn't fully have an idea of business. Mm -hmm. So I was relying on referrals, clients. I wasn't doing any marketing and my confidence was still quite like shit <laughs> in a way. Um, I kind of, yeah, I, I undersold myself a lot. Like I, clients would come in and I was like, oh, you know, like I should charge this much. And then I would second question myself and be like, no, they'll walk away. Just charge yeah. this. And then I was like, and then I would do it and then I would, yeah. And I would kick myself like two months into the contract going, man, I'm doing so much more work. And this like, I'm doing like not getting enough money. Our team's not getting enough money. 
the client didn't appreciate the work we were doing and I just kept shooting myself in the foot and I, I wasn't positioning myself. That's what I learned later. Like a couple yeah. of months later, I was like, I wasn't positioning myself. Anyway, a lot of that started happening in my agency and because of it, I was so miserable with all of the clients I've gotten. Everyone was like, what do you mean? You're doing so great. You've got like 12 clients under your belt. You've got a team of nine. You're doing amazing, you know, cheer up. But I was so miserable. I was like working crazy hours. My team were amazing. Like we had the best team ever. But I felt sorry for them because they were working crazy hours. None of us were getting paid enough for the amount of hours and the amount of commitment we were putting into our clients. And to be honest, some of our clients just weren't even valuing what we were doing for them. Mm. And, you know, like, and especially with SEO, it's a long-term game. And a lot of it, like, no matter how much you educate your clients, they still want that return of investment really quickly. And it's like... That's just not how it works, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so eventually I started seeking out mentors and I was like, um, what am I doing wrong? I've got all of this, I've got all this work, I've got this team. The money is coming in, but it's not amazing. Like, what am I doing wrong? And then I ended up finding this girl who had her own Facebook ads agency and she, it was just a video that I watched. And she said that basically... If you're feeling this way, if you've got a lot of clients that you're not happy working with, then and you're feeling this way because you've undervalued yourself, then you're doing you and your clients a disservice by working together. And you should probably just fire them. Fire the ones that aren't paying you enough. Like calculate how many hours that you're actually working because a lot of people don't. I didn't even calculate how many hours I was working. I was probably doing more than 60 plus a week. Um, and so I didn't really know what we were getting by the hour. We were just throwing out a monthly sum Mm. and yeah. And she was just like, just calculate it. And the ones that aren't paying you enough, the ones that aren't valuing enough, buy them, all of them. And then I thought about it for a long time and I'm like, she makes (laughs) some sense, but like, do I really want to do that? Like, you know, I've built so much, I've, you know, worked so hard to get this far. Like, do I want to? Because basically it would have meant I had to fire almost all my clients. Yeah. And so it was like a huge decision that I had to make. But because I just kept feeling more and more miserable, the more I kept working with my clients, I was like, I have to. And I sat down and I spoke to my team because I knew it meant that I would have to lay them off. Um, And I was like, you guys, like, I don't want to do this to you. Like, you know, we're not growing And if I can't give you guys growth, then I don't want to like, I don't want to do that to you. And, you know, we all love, like we had a great like family kind of camaraderie in our, in our team. So they all like, they completely understood. And they're like, Jerry, they already knew I had like a kind of backup plan that I had in the works. And I was like, you guys, as soon as I get this going, I'm going to like bring you all back and let's all work together again. But for now, I think it's best that we, we wipe our hands of this agency and start fresh. And they were with me. They like, they completely supported my decision. So I did, I fired all my clients and then I was like, I from 12, um, at first shit, yeah. <laughs> that was really shit. But then like, you know, about a week into it, it felt really relieving, like from not having to like answer negative emails and not having to have this pressure of having a rank and this and that. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it was really relieving. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of took a bit of time to reset in after that period. I was just like, okay, like I've got something that I want to kind of go into, but like, let's just take a bit of a breathing period. And I sought out some mentors. I was like, okay, this it's time to get serious about my education and I need to go and pay for mentors. So I started kind of looking around and I started listening to a lot of big guys. Dan Pena. I love Dan Pena. I don't know if you've heard of him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved <laughs> um, I started listening to Grant Cardone um, and, um, and then he had this 10X ambassador program that he was um, promoting and it was at a pretty decent price and I was like, you know what, this is what I want to this is what I want to invest into. So I invested into the 10X program. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was really cool because the one thing that he's really amazing at is sales. Um, being a digital marketing lead gen person, I've always been that person behind the laptop, not really wanting to talk to people. Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an introvert, but I, I don't like selling. I never have. Like even when I worked in retail as like a, a in high school, I didn't like going up to people and saying, hey, can I help you? Because I knew that, I, that I, they, they knew that I was trying to sell to yeah, them. Yeah. So I just didn't like that side of things. But after listening to Grant before I signed up to the program, like I need to get good at selling. Like it's absolutely vital for business to be good at sales, no matter what industry you're in, you have to be good at selling. If not, if not to get clients, to sell yourself, to get above like yeah, the rest. 100%. And so, yeah. So I started listening to Grant and he had some amazing, um, amazing kind of practices and things. So I, yeah, I invested in this program. I'm still in it. Um, it goes for like three or four months. And we get to go to a 10x growth con in Miami next year, which is really exciting. It's meant to be like bigger than the Super Bowl. He's got like Jay-Z and Beyonce coming. They're crazy. Steve, Har Steve Harvey's going. Like it's meant to be pretty big. So I'm pretty excited about that because a part of the 10x ambassador program is we get free tickets to the, the thing. Nice. Um, so I was like, yay. Um, and yeah, since then, it's just been like, I've just switched gears into everything with my business. Um, and I've started a new business. Um, it's pretty fresh. I haven't even, I've, I've gotten, I've been like developing a new system for a couple of months and I've been working on it behind the curtains with some clients. But only now am I ready to start marketing and finally positioning myself in the market. So and yeah, I'm just like got my website ready to come out. I think hopefully next week, fingers crossed. And yeah, like start, yeah, putting myself out there and seeing if people want to invest in me and kind of listen to my story. So yeah, and what's that? Is that still to? So what? What is that to do? So with the with the website, what is your next step? Is it to carry on doing SEO? Is it to do a different type of digital no. marketing? Facebook yeah. Apps? So I can't. Yeah. Oh, no, no. So no. I kind of abandoned SEO um, a while ago, like back when I, um, when I shut down my agency. SEO is cool, like, and there is a certain element of it that I still do in my social media. Um, but yeah, SEO with businesses, it's just like, it's for a long term, it's a long term game. And if you're just relying on search, it's not really 
what people are looking for, especially with people who have personal brands, which is who I kind of work for these days. I kind of stopped working with products and e-commerce people and I started focusing more on people who have a personal brand, so like coaches, consultants, authors, thought leaders sort of people. Um, And I help them with their omnipresence marketing is what I call it. Um, I'm not coining that term. It's like an actual (laughs) term, but not many people use it. Um, But yeah, basically it's um, helping people get their message out to the masses on multiple social media platforms. Um, And the reason why I kind of got into that was because when I first started doing my market research in this new business, I was like, okay, so I want to help coaches. I want to help consultants because I think they're really cool. And I think they're all making a huge impact on the world. These are the people who I want to help. And I was like, all right, so what do they need help with? And I started getting into Facebook groups and asking around. I started going to industry events and I started meeting these people. I'm like, what are you, you know, what are you struggling with the most? And a lot of them were saying they just don't know how to get leads. They just don't know how to acquire leads consistently. Um, And the one thing that they were all told was social media was the place to be to start that, particularly when it comes to marketing. Um, but they didn't know which space to dominate in because they were, you know, they don't know, they were like, oh, I don't have the budget to be in more than one space or I just don't know how, so I've been told to dominate in one. So what do you reckon, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, what do you think is the best one to go? And the more I kept looking into that query, the more I kept seeing the big authorities everywhere. They're like on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're everywhere. And it's like, well, you kind of need to be, keeping up with that and I mean obviously a lot of people will say like dominate in one first and then branch out later but I was like well I think that can be a system to be developed to be able to not have to just worry about that and actually be dominant everywhere like from the Mm get-go um so I started I brought back in my team um and we were like I was like hey come on you guys let's let's start testing this thing And so we started figuring out how to repurpose content across multiple social media platforms, Um, the scheduling behind how to do that, um, because we don't post Blast It All Out at once, what kind of works in that schedule, Um, and then also like doing some retargeting ads after doing all of that. So yeah, we kind of found a sweet spot in all of that. And yeah, that's where I started this Omni Your Presence marketing system. And, um, yeah, it really works well. I've tested it now with a few of my clients and um, the results are amazing, particularly when you bring in the Facebook retargeting ads because basically right now um, probably most of your audience are marketing savvy. Um, A lot of people like Facebook to funnels, Facebook to funnels, this is what's working. Um, But what I've been hearing and what I've been noticing is that it's not working so well anymore because... It's A, it's getting really saturated. Everybody's doing Facebook ads and you're doing it to a cold audience. So these people don't know you and you're interrupting their time on Facebook. So they're not really there to be sold. And then when they don't know you, they're probably just going to scroll right past you. So I was like, all right, well, how do we warm up this traffic first? How do we get them to A, trust you? How do we build a relationship with these people so that when we do do ads, they're a bit more receptive? And that's when we like started bringing out the content marketing and the content distribution strategy and then kind of did that first before we went into Facebook retargeting ads and it was like a home run. So I think that's, 
I think that's very true what you said about, um, because obviously we work in a very similar line of, uh, we work with personal brands and I think it's so true when it, when it comes to like, for example, doing advertising, you know, it's true nowadays people are so used to getting sold. I used to have a Facebook advertising agency and when I was doing it, the, the, the hype, this was early days when, cause you know, really, I mean, I know people can have their different opinions, but let, let, let's, let's just say that Ty Lopez did, was the person that, who made it famous for all of the millennials. He was the one yeah. that really pushed out there. And I, I got into his program the day he released it. So it, so it was nice. still, it was, it was early days. So when I was doing the Facebook yeah. advertising, it was results galore. Like you'd put that out, yeah. you're getting results. And then and um, it was, yeah. It was, right? It was, yeah, 100%. So, but now it's so true, like especially, especially with... Um, personal brands because it's not like you're working with a restaurant right we can just do a, a coupon code with personal yeah. brands you want to be doing content out there you want to be sharing personality traits you want to be doing things where there's not an whether it's entirely not an obvious call to action or maybe there's no call to action whatsoever because that can actually work yeah. in your favor because then people are like huh he or she's not trying to sell to me interesting That's that's it. That's what I try. That, like, that's why with that, like what the way we do things, I'm, we're not the only ones. A lot of people are doing it. Like we make sure that we don't sell in our content. It's like for the most part in the beginning, because it's nice to just give you value first. Like, you know, when you, when you can provide the value first, you can provide credibility, you can provide trust. And then people are just like, Oh, I really like this girl. And Oh, she, you know, she's just giving away free information. And if you look at it, like if you look at the big guys, like Grant Cardone, you know, you know, all of them, Dan Locke, like Ty Lopez, they have YouTube channels, like, galore of just giving out free information and people are going why are they giving away so many free like free advice like where are they making their money and it's like well you can give out away free information as much as you can but a lot of people can't execute it like or you know they can't execute what you what you say in the 10 minutes they need more information and you know once you sprinkle out that that seed of information out there people want more and all people just like you like they just start really liking you as a personality and that's more important than anything because you just create this bond with your audience and then they'll follow you no matter what like after like later on like you'll you see the diehard diehard ty lopez fans or the diehard you know grant Cardone fans anyone that speaks bad of them, they'll like scream out on social yeah. media. Like you have those devout followers and, and that's basically how you do it is by not trying to sell straight away. I mean, obviously everybody tries to sell in the end, like it's a business and everybody's got to make money. But if you can at least help people first, like people appreciate that. And that's really what you want to do. Like that's what I wanted to do anyway. Like, I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's also nice when people can't afford your program or whatever. It's like, well, you can still help people. So it's nice. Yeah. I mean, primary example is why, why would somebody pay a thousand dollars for a Facebook advertising course? When, if you put enough time into research, you could probably find videos teaching the same thing on YouTube, but people, including me still brought, the program and there's a reason is because we followed the person who's creating the program, right? Because exactly. we're buying into exactly. them first. 
Exactly. Because you think that these people, like these people are really the ones that are going to be able to help you and you want to spend as much time with them as possible. I've bought into Grant Cardone's program, A, because I get to meet Grant in, in Miami next year in February and I get to meet his like friends, like, you know, <laughs> Daisy and Beyonce. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the whole accountability group also, like there's like, I think there's another thousand 10X ambassadors and we're all now connected in private mastermind groups and we all chat and I've made amazing friends. And I was doing the whole solopreneur thing for so long. And then I was like, I knew I was missing something and that was just being in an environment for success. And yeah. that's what the program gave me. It gave me access to other people who were trying to do the same things as me. And I was like, oh, I got people to talk to about this now because before I would try and talk to my boyfriend or my friends and they'll be like, oh, oh, you live in your own head. <laughs> yeah. Or even in your own head. And it's just like, it's, it's cool, but it's like, it's so much nicer when you have people that you can actually share things with. So, you know, that's what programs I, I feel like really where the value is. It's not so much about the information. It's about the environment that you're given. Mm. And, you know, obviously if it has a good environment, then it's definitely worth its value. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Cause it makes you feel like you're part of something as well. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's what, that's what most of the big guys do. Like Ty Lopez, Grant Cunner, and they've got their like posse of people like Grant's is all 10 X's and everyone's yeah. all like 10 X. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you feel like you're a part of a community and it's nice. It's definitely yeah. worth buying into. And so what's your, what's your, um, what's your vision? Looking out into the future of Jerry, what is your vision? What type of impact you want to have in this world? What does it look like for you? Um, I, I've always wanted to help people. Like that's always been kind of the thing that I wanted to do. Like even from when I first started in, you know, public relations, when I was trying to climb up the corporate ladder, I'm a real um, social person. I love communications. That's always been me. That's why I, was, I started out in PR. Um, that's why I got into content. I love, you know, even if it's communicating and writing, that's probably my most strongest point. Um, and so I just, I just want to help people get their message out to, to the world. Cause everybody like, and I even kind of went through this myself, like it's scary putting your thoughts out into the world. Like you, you think, oh, yeah, you think, well, does anyone even care? Like, does it sound like someone else? Like, um, and a lot, it will stop a lot of people from, you know, pursuing what they really want to do. And um, I've, you know, I've had friends that, you know, are amazing consultants at, you know, helping people with stutters or helping people with relationship problems. And they're like, oh, I really love, you know, I really love doing this. And, I want to make this a career, but I don't want to, I don't want to sell. I don't want to have to make, put myself out there to the world. Cause I know like marketing, that's what you have. I'm always telling them you got to put your story out there. And I'm even a bit like, I'm even a victim to it myself. I'm only just starting to do it now. Like I've, this my whole six year career. I've always said to myself, my work will speak for itself, but if only a few people around you know your work, then it means nothing, you know? Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got to like, I got to start 
putting myself out there to more people and I've got to just get over that fear of A, being in front of the camera and B, just worrying about what people think of me. And so I just want to help people get that out because, yeah, it kind of stops people from doing what they want to do in life. So that's kind of my main vision is to help, help people get that. Help people get out of them more. Yeah, basically. You, you've done some speaking, haven't you? Yeah, I've just started. I just did, started. I did a, yeah, I just started. I've done two. I've done two speaking events. One was pretty big. It was kind of unexpected. Um, I was going to an event in Brisbane um, here in Australia um, and a speaker kind of dropped out and I knew the person, the event coordinator that was doing it. And she was like, oh, you know, we need to find a replacement. I, I don't know if you know, like there's some celeb, like Australian celebrities, so probably not like huge <laughs> anywhere else, but like, you know, the, the girl, the coach from The Biggest Loser was speaking at one of this event, at this okay. event. And, um, a couple of other like marketing industry leaders were going. Um, and so she was like, oh, I've got to find somebody within 48 hours. And I was just like, do I, should I put my hand up? And she was like, would you? And I was like, oh my God. I, and I knew, I was like, I really should, you have to, but I didn't want to. Like, I was like, you're so... You're out so of your comfort zone or? Yeah, totally yeah. out of my comfort zone. I've, I think I've only done like two presentations in my life before that and they were work presentations. They weren't for like a live audience. Um, so I, I didn't feel ready, but I was just like, nah, let's just do it. Like, don't say no, here's the opportunity. It was speaking in front of 500 people. Um, for your first gig? Yeah. For my first gig as well. I was like, I'm really throwing myself in the deep end, Jerry. Um, cause I was like expecting my first gig to be like at a local chamber of commerce for like, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 yeah. people. Um, but this came up and I was just like, well, it's a good opportunity. So just don't say no. And so I did it. Um, and it was a hit. It was cool. Um, I spoke at, um, an entrepreneur summit, um, in Brisbane and a lot of people really liked it. So it was kind of cool. Um, and then I did a smaller gig, um, in Gold Coast of the small, a small business expo, but I kind of have been focusing more on getting my website and getting my content ready for my marketing um, the, these, this last month. So I kind of haven't been doing much speaking gigs, but I'm definitely up for it again as soon as everything starts getting a bit more stable with my social calendar. Well, tell me, tell me. So when so 500 people there, what was you like when you was walking out? When you was walking out, you saw 500 bobbling heads cheering you on to come on. What was your feeling like? Uh, I was just ignoring the heads. I was just, I, I did ballet dancing when I was like, five to about 12. Oh, um, a little ballerina, I, right? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I could, I, a lot of my friends were like, really? Um, I'm not the most graceful of people now. <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, I did. I did dancing when I was young. Um, and I remember it felt like that. It felt like going in front of a stage, but you have lights on you, so you can't really see the faces. You can just see heads. So I was just trying not to picture any faces. I was just trying to speak to 
the heads and just trying not to sweat basically <laughs> i have really big problems sweating and i'm just like oh god don't look like a sweating pig on public in, pu- in the public stage um but yeah it was a really scary feeling but after about i don't know three four minutes i kind of just how long did you get uh, I think it roughly went for about 15 minutes. 15 nice. So, uh, minutes. What, what, what um, topic was you covering? I was talking about omnipresence marketing. Yeah. So how to Check you. There you go. Yeah. So how to repurpose content, how to come up with a social media content strategy and distribution strategy. So yeah, it was cool. It was my first, first time talking about it. So it was like, it was very new and I didn't have a lot of time to, luckily I was preparing something like before getting asked to do that. Otherwise I wouldn't have said yes. Um, but it wasn't finished being prepared because I wasn't expecting to be doing any talking gigs for at least another month, but I just quickly finished writing it and just, yeah, practiced as much as I could within 48 hours. Um, and yeah, it didn't go too badly, I guess. I always think it does, but watching the replays <laughs> it wasn't too bad yeah we do we do tend to think that don't we that we, we've um we've just absolutely bombed it and oh i said this wrong i said that wrong i look like an idiot but yeah yeah i i guess it definitely it gets easier everyone says it gets easier the more you do it and i'm sure that i'm sure that happens but um i'm looking forward to that day because it's just lead up leading up towards speaking is the worst part ever like that 48 hours of just knowing that i'm you're gonna go on stage whether it's for a big crowd or a small crowd it's just not fun i think like once you're on stage and you do it and especially after you do it you feel great but it's just the lead up to it. it's like going in for a fight <laughs> in a yeah. boxing ring I, I, I remember when I was doing quite a bit of theatre work and um, I, like when, when you got a play that's coming up, because you spend so much time rehearsing it, you learn the lines, you learn the character, and then when it comes to the date where the first show is going to be happening, it's torture. It's absolute torture. Right. Just, just, just thinking about it and think about these people that's going to be there. It's the same situation as you, you know, just, just dredging the, the worst thing that's going to happen. Yeah, well, especially for theatre, like having to know that many lines, like a 15-minute talk is it's a lot to remember, but it's not as much as like a whole play. So <laughs> hats off to you. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, awesome stuff. Well, Jay, thank you very much for coming on. I, um, I, I, I love talking to Australians, but I also hate it as well because it just reminds me that I'm in England and I want to cry all the time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's uh, not hot right here right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. All right. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Now, if if people want to follow you, um, because I have quite a few personal brands that follow my content as well. So, if people want to follow you, see what you're doing. Where's the best place? Um, I I'm everywhere. <laughs> Facebook, good answer. Instagram, um, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'm everywhere. If you want, I yeah. can share with you the link. You can, yeah, um, put them in the bio. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully people come check check me out. But yeah, awesome it was fun. Stuff. Thank you so much for having having me. Yeah, no worries. Okay, well, thank you for coming on, and then we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Terry.